0: Welcome to the Foresight Church Podcast. Enjoy this week's sermon. For more information about us, go to forsychurch.co.za. So, true story. A friend of mine phones me up and says, I've seen a house. I'd like to buy a house. Give me your opinion. So I've got an opinion about everything, right? So he says I'd like to hear your opinion. So that's that's cool. Where is this? Where is this house? He says to me it's in Sneubach Street in Noordsevel. I said okay, describe it. It's a, it's a it's a well-known street. He says it's this face brick double story house. I'm like with a red roof. He says the one with the red roof. I'm like I know it. He says can you come? I've got an appointment with uh, the The estate agent at three o 'clock this afternoon can you come around i 'm like okay wait it 's it's, it's like two i 've got some stuff to do, but i 'll be there as soon as possible he says no no cool i 'll go ahead i'll i 'll wait i 'll check the place out and we 'll scope it just come when you can and and we 'll talk about it so i 'm like, okay, this is cool so he tells me he prompts me he says man i 'm thinking I want to buy this for my family, but even if this doesn 't work for the family i, I think it might be good for church offices. You know, we could do stuff during the week there, and, you know, there's space for parking, and, you know, maybe, maybe we can run our offices from there, but, but come and have a look at it anyway. So I'm like, they're like a bear. So three o'clock comes, I'm, I'm running a bit late, jump on my biker, roar around there, get off the bike in a flurry, and, I, and I, the, there's cars outside, and the gates open, so I walk in. I walk into the garage, there's a guy in the garage. He says, hello, can I help you? I'm like, yeah, I'm here to see the house. He says, well, my wife is inside, just go through. And so I walk into the, the house, there's open plan, lovely double volume lounge. I'm looking, this is pretty cool, this will work. It's open plan, the kitchen is right over here. And uh, um, she says, can I help you? I'm like, "Yo, I'm here to see the house. She says, have you spoken to Henny? I said, well, is it your husband? He, yeah, I saw him in the garage. She says, okay. I said, um, can I look around? She says, Okay, so I, I'm I'm in. I'm now I'm I'm up the stairs and I'm checking out. I'm in the room. I, I knock on the door. The door's closed. Open. There's a a young lady in there. She says hello. I'm like hello. Anyway, so check out. No, it's a nice size room. Go to the next room. And I'm walking through, and um, it's deathly quiet in this house. So I, I go I go like down, and um, the lady says because I'm down the stairs again. She says. Um, are you looking for somebody? I'm like, yo, the agents and 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 my friend, whose name shall not be named. And I walk down along the bottom, and she's like, you know, uh, anyway. So I'm looking in all the rooms and checking it out, and 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 I, I come through. I'm like, where's my mate? So I go back through the garage, and he has the family standing outside like meerkats, looking at each other and looking at me. I'm like, so so where's the agent? They're like. No, house is not for sale. <laughs> okay, I'm at the wrong house. So I'm like on my phone. It's like, hey, buddy, which house? He says, no, no, the other Facebook house with the red roof. It's like, oh. I've never embarrassed myself like that before. I mean, I do that all the time. Sometimes I just open my mouth to change my feet. I kind of live with my foot in my mouth sometimes. Eh? I want to talk today about getting the address wrong, you know, having the wrong address. Genesis chapter 11, turn there. It's right in the beginning of the Bible, first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 11. The scripture will come up on screen. Strange scripture, because it's right in the beginning and, and it's kind of just shortly after the flood. Now a couple of years have gone by and there's nations that have been formed off the Noah and his family come out of the ark, and they kind of spread out around the world, but there's a particular group of people who decided to gather together, one of the nations, Genesis 11 first one. now the whole world had one language and a common speech they They had a language and they spoke the same way. They spoke about the same things. That's a language and a common speech is like we would be talking about the same stuff in the same language at the same time. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That's kind of the area of Babylon, so modern day Iran, Iraq, that area. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the earth. So let's do something to make sure that we're not lost. We're not scattered. We wanna wanna be significant. Let us do this thing for ourselves. Let us build a legacy. Let us build a tower that reaches the heavens. Maybe you could interpret that to say, let's make a religion with which we can touch God. Maybe we could do something to find God in our own way. Possibly that's what it means. So they built this tower. Anyway, verse five, the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, the people were building. The Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Now, that's a good tip. Actually, God loves unity when we get together and do stuff together. I think in his name. But these guys weren't doing it in his name. They were doing it in their name. Let us make a name for ourselves. Okay. On one chapter, there's a contrast and an antithesis between people who are self-made people and their address is Babylon. And the opposite would be a God-made people whose address is wherever God is and whatever God is doing. And these two people are a little bit different. One says, let us gather together and watch the next one. One chapter on, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household. How different is that? These folks are saying, let's gather, let's make a city. Let's do our thing. And God says to Abraham, actually, sometimes togetherness is not helpful. I want you and your family to move. I want you to leave the city. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you, I will make you a great nation. These Oaks are like, we will make us a great nation. God says to Abram, I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. I will make your name great. Didn't those guys say, we will make our name great. God says, no, 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 Abram, I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Isn't that cool that God says to Abram, I'm gonna make you a blessing. You are gonna be a blessing. I'm gonna bless you, and through you, He says, I'm gonna bless other people. I'm going to make you a blessing. These oaks are so no, 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 no. Blessing flows towards us. We're gonna have a great city. We're gonna have a great tower. Let's hoard. And God says to Abraham, Abram, I wanna bless you to release. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. You're never too late to start. Anyway, and then Abram went, and instead of building a tower, he built an altar. Now, some of the differences. Abram is a man of faith. Last week, we spoke on faith and hope. And I promise you, I don't think I've ever had that much feedback from a message. People said, that is just what I needed. It's actually simple. Faith and hope is simple. Anybody can do it. I'm in. That was pretty cool. That's the response I was thinking I was looking for. But let's pause for a second. I promise you, most of you sitting here, somewhere in your heart, don't believe that God wants to be good to you. Because we grow up in a society that if we do well, we earn praise. If we don't do well, we earn displeasure. You see the frown. Most of us, And that's not all bad, but it's our culture. And we praise aspiration and ambition. We celebrate it. And not that ambition is bad. It's very, very good, especially if you're a guy, you need to have a little bit of fire underneath your backside. I said it, backside. Ambition is not bad. But in this, we battle to understand that God loves us and wants to be good to us. He wants to bless us. You know, Moses wanted to encounter God. And in the book of Exodus chapter 34, Moses says, God, show me yourself. I want to see your glory. And so God passes by Moses and he says to him, listen, I don't want you to see the front side because I'm shining. You can't do that. You're gonna die. So he covers him. He covers him with his hand and he says, you can see when I pass by, you can see the afterglow. And he says to him this. He comes past Moses and he says to him, He declares his name, he says, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. He calls himself, he declares himself, he introduces himself to Moses in this way. He says, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. In other words, I'm overflowing in love. And that's how God speaks his name and introduces himself. Now, many people, I grew up in church and and I I heard many people talk about God. Mostly, it was opinions. And everybody's got an opinion about God. If you go onto YouTube, everybody could tell you an idea of what God should be in their interpretation. But when God speaks about himself, and introduces himself. He doesn't say, I'm the old man in the sky cracking a whip. He doesn't say, I'm the master of the gods about to hurl lightning at you. He doesn't say, if you make the right sacrifices, you will be accepted. He doesn't say that if you climb through the hoops, and maybe if you climb up the ladder of holiness and godliness, one day you will be good enough for me. He does not say that. He says who he is, and he says this, I'm gracious, and I'm compassionate. I'm slow to anger, and I'm abounding in love. I'm not angry. You really got to make me angry. Many of us represent God in a bad way because our opinion of God is not who God declares himself to be. And so people sit with a a shield in their hearts. They sit with masks and they're like, I'm okay about this God thing. I understand God, but I don't want anything to do with him because he's an angry dude. Well, no, no, maybe you're a little bit more associated with Greek mythology and Zeus on Mount Olympus or maybe you just, you, maybe you not, maybe you have not met this God who's gracious and compassionate, who's slow to anger, and is abounding in love. Can I tell you something? It was liberating for me to figure out that God is not angry with me most of the time. He's slow to anger. And he knows me. He knows who I am. And he knows that I'm just human clay, that I'm put together by his hands, and he blew his life into me. But I'm just a dirtbag, actually and i can be expected to fail and i can be expected to wipe out and i can expect it to wipe out extravagantly and he's okay cuz he's a loving father isn't that how jesus taught us to pray to pray our father in heaven of all the things god causes wants to be known as it's not ceo or big boss or the old man up in the sky or the creator, his pronoun of choice is father, father, dad. He wants us to know him as dad. And so when we approach him, we pray that way. Our father in heaven. I can imagine Jesus praying that. Could you imagine this? Okay. So Jesus on his knees, teaching his disciples to pray. Okay. Now this is not the Lord's prayer, it's the disciples' prayer because Jesus never had to ask, forgive us our sins, right? Because he didn't sin. But he's teaching them to pray. And he's like, okay, hey guys, this is how you pray. Our Father. Could you imagine? He's talking to his dad and he knows him intimately. He's not, oh, righteous judge. Oh, master of the universe. Oh, chairman of the board. Oh, Mrs. President. He's not under that stuff. He's like, my dad. This is how we pray when we pray. Our father. It's amazing. Jesus came to bring us a new revelation of who God is. Because Jesus knew his father. And the revelation he brought was something that you don't see in the Old Testament. You won't find... God in the Old Testament being called father. Do you know that? You don't find that. You find that people worshiped God from a distance, even though God wanted them to come close. You know, in that encounter in Exodus 34, God actually says to Moses, bring all the Israelites here, bring them close to the mountain. I want to talk to them. I want to show myself to them. And all of them said, no, Moses, you go. We'll stay down here. You go you go and meet God and you can introduce him to us. And God says, I actually want all of you to come. And they say, no, no, Moses, you go. You're our delegated priest. You go. And so Moses goes up and he encounters God and, and, and he comes down. We know the story. They were worshiping the idol and things that they made. It's like they built their own tower to the sky. They were trying to worship a God of their imagination, something that they kind of fabricated and from a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of media and a little bit of news and a little bit of uh, experience with people and a little bit of church history and a little bit of, and they put it together and they make their mosaic and they threw, the Bible says they threw their gold into the fire and, and they, they said it came out like a calf. That's what Aaron said, but actually he had fashioned it, the Bible says, like a craftsman. He had an image in his mind, even as the priest, what God should look like. So sometimes I find that many of us worship a God that we fabricate in our heads. We have an idea of what God should be like, what he should look like, and it's mostly an informed opinion by other people. But it's not informed opinion by God because God says, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I think the reason why Moses couldn't see his face was because he would really realize that God's smile goes right around his face. See, God is happy. Think about this. He is fully self-contained. He doesn't need your praise. He doesn't need your your, uh, allegiance. He is self-sufficient. Fully self-contained, fully self-sufficient. God never has a bad hair day. He's always content. He's always absolutely happy. Does he have emotions that aren't that way? Yes, of course he does. Like all of us have emotions we created in his image. He fully experiences what we experience. But technically from a basis of absolute balance, of absolute control, he is fully, and I think this is the highest uh, tenet of all theology, is he's a sovereign, supreme God. He's always in control. He's always in charge. He is the highest authority of the universe. Nothing rocks his boat. He's fine. The devil is a created being, the Bible says. He's just an angel. Another one of... God's many angels. God is in control. And he's happy. You know, when I got this thing in my head, it changed the way I lived. Because I realized my sin, even though it's not acceptable to God, I always am because God loves me. Why? Because my sin does not affect his mood. It affects my attitude towards him, it affects my proximity to him, because I want to run away. You know, even when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he ran away from God. God comes to walk with Adam, says, Adam, Adam, where are you? You're not where you were yesterday. Adam had run away. He was naked and ashamed, and he got a fig leaf, and he he tried to cover up, and and God says, well, what are you doing? He says, "I I was afraid because I was naked, so I'm ashamed. It's like, what? Why? I'm the same God. I've got the same attitude towards you, but your heart has changed. Your freedom towards me has changed. I haven't changed. I am God that changes never. You changed. Because of your sin. God says to him, who told you you were naked? You know, the amazing thing is when we drift from God, we become self aware. When we're in close proximity to God, we're very God-aware. Our attitude is positive. Our outlook of life is full of faith. We kind of, the more we rub up against God, we kind of get His smile on our face, right? Our attitude, our attitude reflects His attitude because we're kind of pressed into Him. But, but when, we, when we drift away, our hearts become distant, we become naked, we become ashamed, we become very, very self-aware. And so Genesis 11 is a group of self-aware guys who said, we are so self-aware, we want everybody to know our name. We want to publish who we are. We wanna make a name for ourselves. We wanna build a tower. We wanna do our thing and so that everybody knows how cool we are. See, when you're in Christ, you don't have to self-proclaim. Because God says to Abraham, I will make your name great. I've got your back. I will look after your reputation. And he says this, I'm going to be a blessing to you. I'm going to be so much of a blessing to you that you are going to be a blessing to others. You're going to be so much of a blessing to others that they're going to bless you back. And if they bless you, I will bless them. It's like this this ongoing continuum. It's like this tornado of blessing. God starts the motion. Abraham is a blessing. He's blessed by God. Then he starts blessing other people. Then those people start blessing him. And because they're blessing him, God blesses them. It's like amazing that the the flow is God wants to bless. God wants to bless. He wants to bless through you. And he wants you to be a blessing to others because he's a blessing to you. So as you receive, you kind of give out and everybody around you kind of catches life. And because they catch life, they give it back to everybody else around them. It's like a contagious felt fire of goodness and blessing. Wow. The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. Ha! Yes, Lord. How cool is that, man? He says, I will make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I will make you a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. And then he says this, all people on earth will be blessed through you. As opposed to the other chops who are like, we want everybody to bless us and to know us. Everybody's going to know our name. God's like, no, no, no. Everybody's going to be blessed through you. I want to be that oak. I don't want to be that oak. I don't want to be a self-made man. I want to be a God-made man. So, these guys built a city. God scattered them. Then God scatters Abraham and builds through him. But he doesn't build a city through him. He builds a nation through him. You see, what God can do in your life infinitely is multiplied by your obedience. Where people get together and make a city, God takes one oak, one family, and makes him a nation. And then, Even after that, because of Abraham's obedience, God then changes his name and says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. Why? Because you've been faithful in little, I will establish you over much. Now, the crazy thing is this, that Abraham, his whole life lived in a tent. He was a pilgrim. He didn't necessarily even own a piece of property. The Bible says the only piece of property he owned was his grave, but he became exceedingly wealthy, but he lived as if. He was free to be moved by God at any time. He lived without trappings. He lived without building a tower that he had allegiance to. He 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 lived as if he didn't have a city to, to look after. Because you see, it's not about the city, it's about the people in the city. And he got it. It's not about stuff, it's not about buildings, it's not about trappings, it's about the people. See, so he said that when Jesus came, he introduced a relational God that we can know as Father. And instead of building a temple, he said, I'll break down this temple. I'll build something different. It's going to make be made out of people. You become the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you. And so God is not allegiant to buildings and to, to, to cathedrals. And those are all empty and lifeless because God has a relationship with people, multitudes of people that he builds together to make a family. Now, turn with me to Psalm chapter 84. I want you I want you to get this this is David now there were three guys in the Bible that knew God in the same way gracious and compassionate slow to anger and abounding in love one was David who was the other guy I don't know I'm asking you because I forgot I think it was jo- Jonah anyway I think it's Jonah. All right. So Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. In other words, he's got a yearning to be connected with God. My heart and my soul, my, my, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. He's got a hope. Now, remember last week we said that Abraham, in hope against all hope, believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. There was a glimmer of hope. He's saying, and and the Bible says, who hopes for what he already has? We don't hope for what we already have. We hope for what we don't have. And he's saying, I want more of God. That's what he's saying. That's just a poetic way to say, I want more of God. Okay? It's pretty cool. He's got a hope that he's going to meet with God. And he says this. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may have a young, a place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Now, that doesn't mean living in a church building. It's saying those who live in your presence, you remember Old Testament, they believed that God lived in a temple. So the picture is blessed are those who are in proximity to God, who are in relationship with God. Blessed are those people who are intimate with Jesus. They're ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. So, so wait, wait, we read here blessed, 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 blessed. This is ringing a bell. Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to be a blessing. to bless, blessed, bless. What are the conditions for the blessing? Proximity to God. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Blessed are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Do you know David had this desire to build a temple for God during David's whole time? The presence of God was in a tent. Did you know that? God says to David says to God, I want to build you a house. For You to live, God says to him, Heaven's my throne, the earth is my footstool. What kind of a shack are you gonna put me in? <laughs> Come on, how are you gonna genie <laughs> in a bottle? You know, let's let's capsule what encapsulate God and package him. It's like, no, man, he said, what are you gonna do for me? He says, But because you got that desire, I see your desire, I know. You desperately want to have a place to honor me. He says this, because you want to build my house. David, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build your house. Same thing as he said to Abraham. I'm going to build you, man. I'm going to make you a nation. Because your desire is for me. My desire is for you. And guess what? I could bless you way more than you can bless me. All right. Whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. What is Pilgrimage bit like wandering around from tent to tent and place to place, maybe living in a caravan. I'm not advocating gypsy lifestyle. It's just that your heart hasn't found a home. You just, every time God moves, you move with him. The one thing I figured out about God over the years, I figured out a few things, but the one thing is every time I put my finger on God and I think I understand him, he moves. It really is like that. It's like, do you remember that arcade game? Go to, do you remember arcades? Okay, now everybody's got a PlayStation. Remember arcades? You'd go to a game arcade. I think there's one at Silver Star Casino. And there's this bop thing. And, and you've got to like smack the toad as he sticks his head out of the floor or something. And like you get a hammer. And then there's a, a dance one where you've got to like put your foot on the lights. And you've got to like, you know, and it gets faster and faster. And I feel sometimes God's like that. Because every time I think I understand him, he says, wait, wait, there's more. There's more to discover. Bang, he pops up here. And bang, he pops up there. And there, 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 there. It's like sometimes you've got to like, like put your hand out everywhere, your hand and your feet to cover all the miracles and all the beautiful things that he's, that he's doing and all the testimonies because God is just so amazing. He wants to be lavish over us. He wants to bless us. Could you imagine If you had all the money in the entire world, and money was absolutely no object to you, and you wanted to show yourself just nice to your kids, I promise you, you would be extravagant towards them. You want a house? What house you want? You want a car? What car you want? You want groceries? What do you want to eat? If you want a swimming pool. What, what swimming pool do you want? Could you imagine? Because now I'm not saying, it's. remember it's not stuff. This is an example. It's an example of the generosity of God. Because if you could bless your kids extravagantly, you would. If you could spoil them rotten, you would. If they'd let you. Anyway, so he says this. As these people, whose hearts are set in pilgrimage, they don't want to stay in one place. They want to as they pass through the valley of Bacchar, which means the valley of weeping, they make it a place of springs, a dry place, a weeping place. All of a sudden, springs pop up. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Listen, this is your future, my friend. You're not going backwards. You're going from strength to strength. South Africa's a tricky place. It's the valley of weeping. Guess what? You're going to fill it with springs. Get with the program. Places get better because we're there, not worse. And if you don't like it, you're not there to be a, a, a... a settler, you're there to be a pioneer, you're there to be on pilgrimage, and guess what, wherever we go, whatever we do, stuff gets better, and we don't get worse, we get, we go from strength to strength, A guy said to me the other day, he said, ah, oh. he says, I think, I think Christianity's dead, you know, like, the churches are dry, it's like, flip, get another church, Let's go somewhere where there's springs of life, man. Because God's doing stuff. God's doing stuff. See, I was blown away. We had a victory weekend this weekend. And just the stuff that God is doing in people's life just blows my mind. How God takes broken, normal, dysfunctional people like all of us. And he does something spectacular in us. And people who are in need of blessing, become blessings. He releases his streams of living water through us. It's amazing. They go from strength to strength. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Hallelujah, man. Blessed is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Hey, Brad, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, buddy than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather be oak living the blessing than oak making my own way. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. Listen to this, underline this one. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Dude, get this. You need provision. God withholds no good thing from those whose walk is blameless. Psalm 34 says he holds no good thing from those who seek him. Nothing, nothing. Lord God Almighty, blessed, blessed. There's that word again. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Not to the one who trusts in himself or his man-made empire. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Lord, our hope is in you. Come pray with me. Father, we want your blessing on our lives. I unashamedly, unapologetically declare, I want to be blessed by God. I want to live a life of joy, of freedom. And wherever I go, I want the sun to shine and I want the birds to sing and I want the streams of living water to flow. I want to be the happiest person I know. I wanna go to the gym and light people's faces up. I wanna walk in the shopping center and bring life wherever I go and all those miserable frowning people, may the life of God just ooze from me, through me to be a blessing to them. All of us, Lord, we want that for our lives. None of us wants to be sour and dejected and dead. We pray for the streams of living water to flow in all of us today. We're trusting you for your goodness. We're trusting you for your favor. We're trusting you that we would be blessed to be a blessing. Lord, please break us free from our small-minded, selfish, contained, minimalistic living. Help us to be extravagant. Help us to know you, Lord, as an extravagant king, extravagant dad, who will withhold no good thing promise Lord I can think of many good things that you want to give me and Lord I want them all but most of all I want your presence because without your presence it means nothing I want to live a life of fullness Jesus thank you father thank you father maybe you're here this morning guys keep your eyes closed Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I want a life where I I encounter the goodness of God. I I want a life where I, I get to meet God as gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And I repent, I turn my back on my broken thoughts of God because they're informed by people. But when God speaks about himself, I want to know that God who declares himself as gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. I want to know that, God. If you're here this morning and you say, I, I want to walk that way. I want to be a blessing to others because God is blessing me. I want to walk under his favor. Don't you want to raise your hand? I want to pray with you. Maybe you are raising your hand for the first time. Maybe you're giving your life to God for the first time, but What you're technically doing is you're saying, here I am, God. I want to be blessed, and I want to be a blessing. Now, no good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. We can only be blameless through Jesus Christ. He took our sin away. Okay, so that means that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become blameless, because he took that blame on himself when he was crucified. He was punished on behalf of us for our sin. That means you're a candidate right now for the blessing of God to be released in your life. So all you need to do is say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior of my life. I can't save myself. I can't bless myself. But right now, I put myself in your hands. Because you are good, you want to be good to me. I receive this gift Of life and I receive your blessing. Fill me with your spirit and make me your child in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you mean it in your heart, that's a first act of faith towards God, which says, Here I am, Lord. I'm enrolling I'm enrolling for service. I want to sign up as your child. Now it's a it's a walk. But you're saying, I'm giving my life to you. Now the word says, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he's given the right and the authority to be called sons of God, born of the spirit. John chapter one, verse 12. You've been given the right and authority to be called the child of God because you have said, I want that father. And because you said, I want that father, he said, "I, I want that son. I want that daughter. And that's the first step on your spiritual journey. So that's going to be a walk. You can start hearing the Holy Spirit. You can start getting ideas. You can start getting emotions or impressions or feelings. Start being aware of those and act according to the promptings. You can see the Holy Spirit's going to start leading you. Your life is going to look totally, totally different. It's very practical, very silly, very simple. That's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so simple, even I can understand it. Friends, bless you. Have a fantastic day. Don't forget your coffee. Catch you later.